Our sermon text is Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. And I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and follow along with me as I read. Hear the Word of the Lord. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did, you, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels for I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Well, whenever we stare evil in the eye, image bearers of the living God, there, there wells up within us a desire for judgment day. Everybody longs for judgment when they see evil done in the world. And we certainly have seen that and are watching that unfold and what's happening in Afghanistan, haven't we not? The ruthless Taliban is moving in and you can see the sheer terror of the people who are left behind. We've seen desperate attempts of those trying to escape, literally hanging on planes, thinking maybe I can hold on, and falling to their death. Pleading with soldiers to let them in, let them on the plane. We, we've seen mothers give up their children, say, if you cannot take me, take my, my infant child. They know the evil that awaits, and they are terrified. 
For us watching the news, I imagine maybe you're, you're experiencing a, a, a swell of emotion as you watch these vivid images coming out of Afghanistan. Part of you, I'm sure, like me, is the mixed emotion of, of heartbreak as you're watching these, these people, literally like lambs waiting to be slaughtered. Did you hear the, the stories of, of, of what's coming out, at least from uh, pastors texting missionaries and, and words getting out on how to pray that, that, that not only have letters been sent out to many churches saying, we know who you are, we know what you're doing, and we are coming. But they're coming in and they're, they're searching in homes and they're, they're taking and confiscating cell phones and anyone they find with a Bible app on it, they, they kill on the spot. It's already happening. The heartbreak. Do you think, my little girls, they, they have smartphones. They have Bibles on them. What, what would I do? What's going to happen to them? And, and then I move from heartbreak to outrage. Why is this happening? I cry out with the saints. You, you think of the Psalms. You think of Revelation 6. How long, O oh Lord? How long are we going to let this happen? How long are, are, are these atrocities just going to continue to build up? We want somebody to stop it. We want somebody to fix this. We want someone to rescue them. We want somebody to judge the wicked, right? We want judgment. My mind's been dwelling upon Psalm 73 this week. Psalm 73 is a psalm where the, the psalmist is is reminding himself the Lord is good, reminding himself the Lord is in control, but, but he admits it is difficult when I see the wicked prospering, doing wicked things and, and seemingly with no account. The psalmist says this about the wicked. He says, they have no pains until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. It's like he's watching the news. Who's going to put these wicked men to death? But they strut through arrogantly and pridefully. He goes on, he says, behold, these are the wicked, always at ease, always increasing in riches. The psalmist is lamenting, isn't he? Maybe you, you identify with those cries. Maybe you didn't say it like that, but maybe you've been doing that this week, lamenting over the injustices, seemingly the unchecked evil in the world. But the psalmist does come out of it. Verse 17 of Psalm 73 says, I can't understand this, but then I entered the sanctuary of God. I entered his presence, and he says, when I entered into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Did you hear that? When I came into your presence, I heard your word I discerned their end. I had their answer. They will be brought to account. Brothers and sisters, 
evil in this world will not go unpunished. When Jesus returns, perfect justice and retribution will be served for every wrong committed, even if the courts of justice do not find guilty. The Lord's justice is perfect. It's the foundation of his throne. Justice will be served. No one will escape it. And the vengeance of the Lord will be executed on that day. And so for this reason, brothers and sisters, we need to be reminded of this word of judgment. And just broadly speaking, I see so many Christians maybe rightly longing for justice in the world. And when they can't get it, they, 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 they want to wield that sword of vengeance. They're longing for it, and they're just finding it anywhere they can, grappling for it, and they'll never be satisfied because what their heart is longing is the perfect justice of the Lord. And so hope is found for us in this world. There's hope that this world will be made right. There's hope for you. Every wrong done will be accounted for, and this hope is found in Jesus. This hope is found in him. The one whom we confess will come again to judge the living and the dead. And for all those who have loved him, all those who have loved his appearing, this will be a day of great joy. But for all those who are far from him, this will be a day of great wrath. And so, beloved, this morning, as we open up this weighty text, this crescendo, if you will, uh, of Jesus' not only his teaching on, on the end times, if we will, of the last days, but this is the end of his teaching sections in the Gospels. From now on, we're going to move to the cross. It's more narrative. But this is the last word from Jesus that we have. And so it's my earnest desire that you would set your heart the hope of your heart on his return. Why? Because it's at his return when we'll see his glory, receive his blessing, and escape his wrath. It's at his return we'll see his glory, we're going to receive his blessing, and we will escape his wrath. As God word, God's word reminds us, right now we're hoping for that which we don't see, right? We're hoping for it. And yet we do not see. Our faith is in what we cannot see. We're hoping for Christ's return. But when Jesus does return, guess what? Our faith will become sight and we will see, we will behold his glory. That's exactly what we see here in this text. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, there's all sorts of glory here. With all his angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Now when we think of glory here, you need to be thinking of power might, authority, beauty, splendor, holiness, righteousness, grandeur. We're going to see it all. While these attributes have always been true of Christ, they have not been visible for the world to see. In fact, even in Christ's first coming, it was veiled in human flesh, if you will. He arrived in weakness and had no beauty or splendor about him. His authority is constantly challenged. He's deemed unclean as he touches the leper. He's thought to do what is not just healing on the Sabbath. And for us, he's taken from our sight. 
We've never even behold him with our eyes. But yet Jesus says, blessed are those who believe and who have not seen. Yet on this day, what do we see here? Every eye will behold him. Every eye will see him. Everyone will behold his glory and see him as he truly is. We've already gotten glimpses of it in the Gospel of Matthew. You might remember our time in Matthew chapter 17. We know it is the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus peels back uh, his humanity and we see his glory brightened and, and coming through right before the eyes of Peter, James, and John. Well, what was only seen by those three will now be seen by the whole world. The whole world, what are they going to see? They're going to see that he is, first of all, the divine son of man. That's what that, that, that title means, son of man, and it comes from Daniel chapter 7, verses 12 and 13, where the son of man is going to come on the clouds and he's going to be given a kingdom and dominion that is everlasting and every nation and all peoples will come and they will worship him and they will serve him. When he appears, we're going to see that the earth and sky will flee. The sun and moon will no longer give their light. The stars of the sky will fall as the heavens are shaken. The only light that will be seen is the only light that we'll need, brothers and sisters. And it will be like the light of lightning in the darkest of night shining through. Jesus goes on to tell us that he will also come with all the hosts of heaven, all the angels. Do you catch that? All the angels, not just some of them. We think of maybe his birth, the angels came. We think of the tomb where we have two angels. But in this case, all the angels are coming. All of them. And so this too speaks to his divinity because it's only the Lord who has the myriad of angels around the throne. It's only the God of all creation who has the angels at his beckon and call. And yet it will be on this day, the myriad of angels, which no one can number. They're more than the stars of the heavens. Billions upon billions are going to be coming. What a sight it's going to be, right? All the angels are coming. I'm reminded of Isaiah, the last chapter, Isaiah 66. Very much like the last word of Jesus, Isaiah gives a word of judgment before salvation comes, and he, he reminds the people of God that the Lord will come in fire, and his chariots like the whirlwind, the chariots of fire, the angels, the heavenly hosts, and he will come with them to render his anger and fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. As Jesus comes in glory, not only will the heavens and the earth be done, not only will he come with all the angels, but he will resurrect all humanity to stand before his throne. Look there in verse 32. Before him will be gathered all the nations. This is a way of saying all peoples. All people on this day of great glory, the heavens are going to, to flee, the sky will part, the angels will come, the stars will fall, and everybody will be gathered. Well, tell me, how's that going to happen? I mean, just think about the glory here and, and the power and the might. Have you ever tried to get people to, to respond to you or, or say, hey, come in, come in? I, I, I coach soccer. Me and Andrew Barry are about to coach a soccer team starting next week. You know what? I feel like I'm always saying, hey guys, come in, come in. Hey, yeah, you, come on. 
I'm, I'm constantly trying to get just, just 10 little kids just to show up and sit and listen. They won't listen. It's the same when I coach Grace's team, the high schoolers. They don't listen either. Hey, stop talking. When I'm talking, you're not supposed to be talking, right? I'll, I'll tell them. And yet, they're still talking and they don't hear you say that. But when Jesus comes, everyone, the living and the dead, respond. When Jesus speaks, the tombs are opened. Everyone is gathered before the throne. This is what we read in Revelation 20, isn't it? John says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it, and from his presence earth and sky fled away. No mountain is going to hide you from that day. No grave. No, not even the depths of the sea. It says, and I saw the dead, great and small. That, that means whether you're, you're mighty and powerful or you're, you're, you're weak and powerless. Everyone standing before the throne and the books were opened. And everyone is judged according to what was written in the books. It's this judgment that Jesus speaks of here in Matthew 25. When before him, before his throne, all the nations are gathered. And what happens? There will be a great sifting, a great separation, if you will. Uh, like a shepherd, here he is. He, he's the great shepherd, the promised one, the good shepherd, if you will. And he's going to, he's going to pull out his sheep from among the goats. And so when Jesus returns, get this, all peoples are going to stand before him. That means there's a resurrection of the just and the unjust. All people are resurrected at the resurrection. So whether you are resurrected to life or resurrected to death, but everyone will be resurrected, which tells you no one gets away with a crime. No one. Jesus' glory and power are so great that every person who has ever lived will rise to see it. Everyone's going to behold his glory. Everyone who has ever lived. And he will summon the entire earth to gather before his throne and hear the declaration, I'm the king and my rule lasts forever. I am the king of kings and I am the Lord of lords. Friends, this is the glory of Christ which we must long for. This is what we long to see. For when the glory of Christ shines, all things will be revealed. All things are going to be made right. And all that is truth will be shown to be true, and all that is false will be shown to be false. It's on this day of glory that Jesus will separate his sheep from, sheep from the goats. And guess what? It's in this way, guess what will be revealed who are the sons and daughters of God? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Guess what? The whole world's going to know you're his children. The whole world's going to see that you're not a goat. The whole world is going to see that you're an heir of the king. For this reason, we'll secondly receive his blessing. Notice that this separation occurs, verse 33, a sheep are placed to his right, that's, a, that's the side of honor, but the goats to the left, that's the side of dishonor. And so it's to those on the right that Jesus speaks to first here. 
And so if you're in Christ, you've placed your faith in his death, burial, and resurrection as, as the only hope for your forgiveness of sins, the only righteousness that you can stand upon, the only basis by which you can, can stand before the throne of God and enter into his kingdom. If this is you, on that day, he's going to pull you to the side, to the right. And, and this is just a glorious truth. Just imagine with me just for a minute, Jesus looking at you, and he says, come. He's smiling at you. Come, you who are blessed of my Father. It's unfortunate for you all on the left today on the sermon, but anyway, the right side gets the happy faces. But on that day, he's going to look. Come. Do you want to come? Come. And, and I imagine we'll be like children who, who spot their, their parents in a crowd, and, and they're looking, and then when they spot them, they see them, come down, they say, come, and they run to him. It's going to be a glorious day. You are the blessed of my Father. So it's in Christ we're going to see that we're accepted. When I was 10 or 11, I played on the, my first um, select, if you will, soccer team. And um, what happened actually is that those in my age group, there weren't enough, and so they basically said, uh, you got to be bumped up to the older age group uh, so that you can feel, we can field a team. And so I'm 10 or 11, haven't hit puberty, and I got guys who are apparently shaving uh, on the team. I, I don't feel like I belong. There, there's, there's, there's no sense in which I need to be here. Well, we, we try out all week. And I remember um, they sat us all down, and, and the coaches stood there, and they gave us some talk. I don't remember all the details, but what I do remember is they said, if you hear your name read off the list, you're on the team. And so they start reading the names. And I mean, this is the most torturous event of my life at this time. Did I, am I on the team or am I not? And I can tell you that the moment that my name was read, it was like it was all bursting in. I go, yes! And I remember people, particularly the older players who've done this before, looked at me like, dude, chill. You know, just, just wait. I can tell you on that day, if you're standing around me on the right of Jesus' throne, you're going to hear me say, yes, let's go. Yes, this is glorious. He told us we could come. He's accepted us. This is the blessing that is ours. And not only will this day will we reveal our blessed acceptance, but we'll also receive Jesus' inheritance. Look at what else he says to us. He says, come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This kingdom that you and I are going to inherit has been prepared for us with intentionality. Jesus tell us all who have had their names written in the Lamb's book of life, this kingdom is for you. So what we see is that God's kingdom purposes have been set even before creation, or at least up to it, since the foundation of the world. And so there's a personal aspect to this, that he's going to look you in the eye as his, his brother, as his sister. He's going to say, this kingdom's for you. This glorious kingdom, come. 
Yes, the kingdom of, of Christ will be filled with his glory, as the prophets say. His glory will fill the earth as the sea, as the waters cover the sea. But what I want you to see is that his glory is our joy. It's our life. No, no need for the sun to sustain us. The glory of Christ will sustain us in the, in the new heavens and new earth. In fact, he'll resurrect us for glory, and he'll give us incorruptible bodies that are perfectly suited of a kind that can can dwell in the holy presence of God forever and ever. And guess what? We are going to rule with him. This inheriting of a kingdom is a ruling, a sharing of that rule, if you will. We'll be co-heirs with Christ. So do you remember, if you were with us, just a a few weeks ago when we were in the, the parable of the faithful servant? who does what his master asks, what what happens to him? Verse 47 of chapter 24. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. When the master comes, his children will be set over all his possessions. We are going to rule over this kingdom with him. And along with that shared rule will, will come also greater responsibility. We learned that in the parable of the talents, right? Those who are faithful with a little will will be entrusted with much. Well, what are those things that we're faithful over? We're stewards of our gifts. Are we responsible with how the Lord has has equipped us and called us to serve his church? What you're faithful with now, you'll have a role in the kingdom. And and I think that there's some continuity, some uh, ongoing sense of what you do now, you'll just do more later. Yet, without the hindrance of sin. Those things that you just bring you great joy, you sometimes still get exhausted doing, right? You can't do them to the best of your ability. Nothing ever quite comes out the way that you want it to. Well, guess what? In glory, you'll have double the talents. <laughs> it's going to be your joy. And so this blessing that Jesus invites us into, this is the joy of your master, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. We're going to experience his joy forever. And so this blessing that Jesus is giving us here also comes with this commendation upon us. There are great powerful words when those that we look up to acknowledge our faithfulness, right? Or ever ever someone says, hey, I really appreciate so-and-so publicly about what they have done, how they have served. Can you imagine your Savior on that day as the books are opened is going to highlight what you have done. And guess what? As we're going to see here, we're going to be surprised in a good way, pleasantly surprised. What is the things that he says here? Well, you see it. I was hungry and you gave me food, thirsty, drink. Stranger, you welcomed me. In prison, you visited me. Now, at first glance, you might scratch your head about this text. Say, you know what, Jesus? This looks a lot like I've got to work my way to salvation. There's no doubt that Jesus is emphasizing good works. He is. Our works do matter. You're going to be judged according to your works, this text says. Romans 2 says this. What we read in Revelation 20, there's no escaping it. The books will be opened and the living and the dead will be judged accordingly. That might make some of us nervous. Why Jesus is emphasizing good works here. He's already told us where those good works come from. They are the fruit of a good tree with a good root where the seed has planted deep within the soul. The good soil of faith. 
And every gospel that lands on the soil of faith, it will produce good fruit. He's already told us this, so so what is he getting at here? He's showing us that, that our works are evidence that we believed, that we had a heart. And he promises to give us a new heart that will transform us. Because he who began a good work in you will complete it. There's going to be something to show that Jesus was working in your life. And guess what? The good news is we're going to see he was working far greater in ways that we did not even realize. But what I do want us to see is that on that day our hearts will be revealed. Every thought, every intention of the heart will be laid bare. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, all sorts of things occur. Well, this is how we see into the heart. And Jesus knows the heart can line it up with the work. And so those who have given their heart to Christ, who have made them their treasure on earth, it will be revealed in how they lived. Now, Jesus here speaks of three types of ministry. The, these, this list of all the ways that, that we have served him are, are really broken down into three ministries. You could summarize them this way, the ministry of feeding, a ministry of shelter, and a ministry of visitation. And on that day, I think many of us are going to be pleasantly surprised like these. Here, Jesus is going to list these works and say, I, 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 I never saw you in the hospital. I never saw you in prison. I never gave you food and drink. When did I do these things? And, and notice what Jesus says in verse 40. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers. Now, my brothers is not a title for he's talking to you. I mean, he is, but... The least of these are my brothers. That's what I want you to see. Put an equal sign in your mind. That you serve the least of these, the little ones, those who had faith like a child. He's used this terminology elsewhere. We are the least of these. We are his brothers and sisters. So you treated my brothers and sisters you did to me. What is Jesus saying? Well, we do this, right? And I see this all the time in our church. Someone needs, has needs, we feed them, right? We meet their needs. Oh, someone needs clothing, we get clothes. We, we shelter them, we bring them in. When they're in the hospital, we go visit them. When, when, if they're in jail, we go visit them. And I, and I don't think Jesus is limiting this um, ministry type only to believers. He says elsewhere that we're to minister even to our enemies. But here he has a particular emphasis for how did you serve the people of God? How did you serve my church? Just as Paul's life of persecuting the church was said to be persecuting Christ himself, so our life of serving the church, the body of Christ, we counted it serving him. And so it's in this way that we're going to hear these beloved words, well done, good and faithful servant. You served me well. So on the basis of our faith in Christ, working through love, we now see we'll escape wrath. We'll escape wrath. All right, left, you ready? <laughs> Jesus now turns to those on his left side. And whatever blessings on the right were received, the left is a curse. Whereas the sheep are accepted, the goats are rejected. Jesus turns and he says to them, not come, but depart. Depart from me, you cursed, 
into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. What's going on here? Well, those who have not trusted Christ or made him the treasure of their heart, they will not be summoned to come. They'll be commanded to depart. Instead of inheriting an everlasting kingdom, they will inherit everlasting retribution. And as our kingdom was prepared for you before the foundation of the world, what do they inherit? They inherit a judgment that was not prepared for you. Not prepared for them. Prepared for the devil and his angels. This is a tragedy. We see here that hell was not created for human beings. It wasn't created for humans. It was created for the heavenly host who rebelled against God Almighty. And those who chose not to follow Christ in this life, but have chosen to follow the demonic forces of evil, the spirit of this age, the world, guess what? Jesus is saying, you will follow them straight into the pits of the fire of hell. Do you see what this is about? This is who do you follow? Whose father is yours? Whose child are you? And so on that day, they're going to fall into a place of everlasting regret, of opportunity missed. The world says, oh, can't you see our wisdom, our power? They're going to taunt you and tell you, come with us. Life's good for us. Can you imagine being the Christians there in Afghanistan right now? I'm sure there's mockers, there's scoffers. Hey guys, Jesus isn't saving us. They're doing well. We got a choice. We can follow them. And some will. And it will look like those who chose not to follow Christ were an utter shame and made the foolish decision. And they'll point to their blood spilt on the ground and they'll say, who wants to live like that or who wants to live like us? But on this day, say, I want to live like that. I don't want to love my life even unto death. Because the one who loses his life in this life gains it in the next. But the one who saves his soul loses it for eternity. And they will have an eternity to know that that was the wrong decision. And so just as the righteous will be commended for their faith, working in love, so the unrighteous will be rebuked for their faithlessness. Their lack of love for Christ will be evident in their lack of love for the church. That's what's going to happen. A lack of ministry, a lack of service to his people. On that day, hearts are going to be revealed. And, and I don't know how this is actually going to play out and exactly Jesus is condescending to our limited ability, but I imagine on that day, no, I got good works. I imagine someone say, no, 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 Jesus, I, I did lots of things. In fact, Matthew 7 says, some will say, I did things in your name. But I imagine there will be others who say, no, no, I had lots of, of community service. I even organized a lot of it. I showed great tolerance to all sorts of people, diverse people. You, you want diversity, right, Jesus? 
You should look at my charitable donations. No one knew how much I was giving. Look at the investments I made to make people's life better through technology and education and healthcare. Look at all the mouths that I fed. Look at all the service that I did. And Jesus will say, yes, you loved a kingdom that was passing away. And you will have your lot with those who loved it as well. You did not love me. And how do I know you did not love me? Because you did not love my church. You opposed my church. You opposed my people. Yes, you cared for your own. And you did not care for mine. This morning we are going to prepare to take the Lord's Supper. When we take the Lord's Supper, we're preparing for the day of judgment. Because those who have come through the blood of Christ, those who've had their sins washed away, those who've been clothed in righteousness, guess what? We'll see his glory, receive his blessing, escape his wrath. And that's what we remember when we come to the table. I'm going to pray for us, and Pastor Gary's going to come up. He's going to lead us in taking the Lord's Supper. So I invite you to prepare your hearts and pray with me as we prepare to come to the table. Dear Jesus, we, we do love you. And Lord, I imagine there are some here today, like me, this text, though meaning to bring your people great comfort, Lord, admittedly brings us great fear and trepidation. And that's why we have to come to the table to remember that we don't stand on our own, but we stand upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. We come to remember that it is not works that we have done in righteousness, but your work on the cross and Lord, though our works are not what we want them to be, Lord, but I'm sure we can go through and we can think of times that we have not served as we should have, not loved as much as we should have. Lord, that's not what we want. We do sometimes the very things that we don't want to do. But Lord, it is our heart, it is our prayer, it is our desire that we would love you and we would love your people. And Lord, where we have failed you, please work in us. May your spirit produce in us the fruits of the kingdom. And Lord, that you would do above and beyond what we ask or think. And on that day, we'd be surprised at how you have used us. And Lord, we long for that day, which you, we will hear those words specifically for us come into a kingdom that you prepared for each one of us. Lord, may we remember this, these truths on the basis of your work on the cross and the hope of your coming again to receive us as we take the Lord's Supper. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.